I'm your host, the Above Average Joe. With me here is... Mighty Mike. And uh, really, we're going to focus on the new wave of X-Men books, so welcome to our Resurrection Roundup. And again, a lot of consistent fan pressure and and outcrying to have the, pardon me, the X-Men returned, Mm -hmm. led to an event called Resurrection, which is what we're really here to discuss, you know, 40 minutes into this. Mm -hmm. Um, So Resurrection was a relaunch and a rebranding of... Primarily X-Men titles. We actually saw the the book count for Inhumans reduced, which is which is good because they've brought in a lot of character-specific titles yes. to focus on, and that's across the board. But we actually saw the the X-Men, as they put it, um, returned. Um, I think in some of the actual promos and stuff, it literally says, "You asked for it, you got it." The X-Men yes. are the X-Men are back and better than ever. They and, were and aware. A, in a lot of ways, that's true. So let's just do a, a quick rundown of some of the titles they launched. This restarted in both in Prime issues for both the X, X-Men and Inhumans line. And these yes. are pretty much just one-shots. A step-on point. Yeah, they established the new status quo, kind of give you a preview of where the, the books are going. It's, it's, a, it's a good uh, jump-on point. I actually thought the Inhumans Prime issue was a little stronger. Yes. Because um, it actually gave a little more defined prologue to the Black Bolt book, which is the strongest Inhumans book out there right now. And, and as we'll soon establish, yeah. the X-Men Prime had more to cover, so it was a little bit more thinner on the impact yeah, the, because there was more X-Men books coming out, so it had to establish the status quo for all of those, whereas the Inhumans had been limited now, so it, it was much tighter. Yeah, the Inhumans, Prime, the Inhumans Prime book really only had to cover Royals, mm-hmm. which was uh, the, the storyline of the Royal Family. Yes. Black Bolt, and I think they touched on Secret Warriors. They really didn't even address the Moon no, Girl they didn't book because Moon, Moon Girl is really Moon just Girl, on her own. Is Moon Girl? I believe she's a part of Secret Warriors now too. She's on that. She's team. part of Secret Warriors. So, yeah. She's still got her own book. She still has her own establishment. So they just kind of left her alone, but they really focused on those three books. Now the X Men Prime book really served as a launching point for a lot of different series. Um, it talked about the new team books because now they are relaunched. They relaunched uh, two core X Men books. X-Men Blue and X-Men Gold, which is a nod back to the, the original, original team theme. breakup, yes. Yeah. Especially in the nineties where there were nice there were touch. two runs. So there's a lot of a lot of positive nostalgia there. Gold team, blue team. Yep. Um, again they kept they kept the lineup for the all new Wolverine mm-hmm. book, which has been probably the strongest X Men title. It really has. Uh, Laura Laura's Kinney been great. Yeah, Laura Kinney is Wolverine is one, probably one of the few organic legacy characters that Marvel has. She's kind of like the Marvel equivalent to Wally West in that regard. I mean that show that that show, huh. I feel like there's shows in my mind. Well I mean X twenty three was introduced in uh, X-Men Evolution. X-Men Evolution, yes. Yeah. And became all, so popular they wrote around. I, it did, all new Wolverine has made me want a book called Wolverines that has her, Gabby, Old Man Logan, and their pet Wolverine. And I just want the book to be called Wolverines. And I just want them to be grouchy and rumbling and dealing with it. And it to be fantastic and amazing. Make it happen, Marvel. So... I mean, I'm just having a Red Dawn moment because you said Wolverines like seven times Wolverines! in that sentence. Um, but yes, yeah, so you had X-Men Blue, X-Men Gold, all-new Wolverine, which again, still focusing on Laura Kinney as the Wolverine. And that's really positive because they brought in Old Man Logan. Um, the one thing, it was there was the one really ongoing series that wasn't interrupted. They had established yeah. all-new Wolverine a little bit earlier uh, when they did the Marvel Now launch. And it kind of just, it was the one, it was the... Out of all the X-Men, it was the least touched by events or crossovers. Yeah. She kind of, Laura had her own storyline that kind of flowed wonderfully into the new status quo. And they did a really positive thing here, because there's all been a lot of backlash between, because Marvel did this whole new legacy 
initiative, not legacy, pardon me. Generations? No, no, when they started bringing in legacy characters, I mean, they, oh, okay, you know, yeah. Jane Foster as Thor, yes. they brought Miles Morales and Spider-Gwen into the, into the universe, um, Riri Williams taking up the place of Iron mm-hmm. Man, there's been a lot of negative pressure uh, from a legacy standpoint, and it's kind of resulted in some tension with legacy with original characters returning. Um, you've got this uh, even before the Secret Empire kerfuffle. You had tension between Sam Wilson and Steve Rogers, the two respective Captain Americas. Um, but Laura has been the only one going by the Wolverine. She oh, is this. the Marvel Universe Wolverine. So yeah, going back to the, the Resurrection lineup, for the X-Men books, we have the two original team books, X-Men Blue and X-Men Gold. Mm-hmm. X-Men Gold um, is the much more classic, uh, Chris Claremont-inspired X-Men yes. book. I mean, that is the one Very where you can walk in, you walk into a local comic book shop and say, I want to read the X-Men. Who are the X-Men? And someone will hand you an issue of X-Men Gold. Yep. It's got Kitty Pride actually leading the team, which is a really cool thing because, again, she's the original POV character. I mean, she's one of the most longest-standing X-Men. She was introduced in his in Chris Claremont's original run and has been a, a prominent figure in the history of the X-Men since her inception. Yes. And a little um, bit on behind the trades of a little bit of controversy with that book, which is kind of ironic because this is the book now. This is the book that... This is X-Men. This is classical X-Men. This is... You, as you say, when you say, who are the X-Men now? What do I want? You hand you X-Men gold. And Kitty Pride, who, like we talked about earlier, is X-Men have always focused on incorporation and integration, is our Star Trek, basically, for this generation. And she is a Jewish woman, of American Jew, of Jewish heritage. and From the south side of Chicago. From the south side of Chicago. <laughs> and the artist behind the original three con- oh, issues Ardian, yeah. of X-Men gold and there's still some out there in circulation, uh, did anti-Jewish rhetoric drawn into the backgrounds and uh, had uh, captions on uh, Colossus's shirt. There was citations from, I believe it was the Kran that was speaking yeah. of how unclean Jews were and everything. Yeah. So it's very, very egg on the face of... Yeah. And it Marvel to have that for really their shows launch. you that for some. I mean that that was really a, a frustrating moment for mm-hmm. fans because like we just wanted our X Men back and we couldn't get one yes. issue without some, some kind, kind of, of controversy, bullshit controversy bullshit behind the scenes. Now I, I do want to rec- I, I do want to say that pretty much his contract with Marvel was almost immediately, immediately terminated, terminated once they discovered this. The first three issues have been redrawn. They um, um well they they've been re-edited they've been edited. to remove the the references. Um. And he was supposed to be the primary artist on that book. Yes, that and was supposed, supposed to be his run. They were supposed to r- rotate out a few issues, but he was going to be the core mm. artist. So it really shook up that book, and it, w- it was really a slap in the face, because that, yes. that book is solid. It really yes. is. And it infuriated other artists and other Muslim artists in his country, because they all spoke out against him, like, you, you've hurt us all. Yeah. So it's it had its own bit of controversy. Yeah, the, the, the collective response was dick. Yes, from <laughs> um, all sides of the yeah. world. Um, and then you have X-Men Blue, which focuses on the younger, time-displaced, or actually universe-displaced um, Yes, it's now uh, X-Men. dimension-displaced, yeah. yeah. So, uh, the in, in, an, in the first run of the Marvel Now universe, after their relaunch, there was a book that came out called All New X-Men. Yes. In which, in an attempt to 
basically smacked some sins into Cyclops and had him Showed stop acting like Magneto. Beast jumped through time, went back, and actually brought forward the original five X-Men. Now, this was important because, for the first time in years, Jean Grey was now alive and well in the X-Men universe. And yes. That's a really good step to trying to you know, heal some tension with, with X-Men fans because Jean Grey is kind of one of the most beloved characters in X-Men. Everyone loves Jean. She's very paramount to the, just the history of the X-Men. And then we had a second run of all new X-Men and their their adventures and them learning how to deal with their powers and a lot of social evolution. It was actually revealed that this version of Bobby Drake is actually a, uh, a young gay man. And that was done in a very piss-poor fashion because he didn't get a chance to come to that realization himself. Jean Grey read his mind without his permission and pretty much pointed a finger in his chest and says, no, you're gay. Why are you, yes. make, why are you making these jokes? You're Just gay. You know you're gay. Just completely outed him. Basically saying, no, it's not you who's in charge of your sexuality. You don't get to choose. You don't get to explore. I know what you are, undoubtedly and unquestionably. And it was later established, and like well, they established that the future Iceman had, uh, they were like, oh, well, he's been, he's had relationships when he's been females, and she immediately quirks back. Yeah, failed relationships. And then they, 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 they deduce that, oh, young Bobby's gay, so older Bobby must be gay, and we can't be bi, can't leave any room for him to explore sexuality on his own. And then we establish later that these X-Men aren't in fact the young X-Men from this timeline. They're from their own complete dimension slash universe, so therefore it doesn't necessarily follow that just because young Bobby Drake is gay from this universe, that old Bobby Drake gay is on an R universe. Uh, but... It was no... very ham-fisted. It was done by Brian Michael Bendis. I don't. I have no problem with Iceman being gay. It's the but way ha- it was done. Exactly. He ham-fisted into the last issue when all new X Men was in. It's like the last two pages yes. of the last issue. It was like, like, and by the way, boom. Yeah, it, and in ways that's kind of hallmark Bendis, where it's like, hey, I'm just gonna come in and start changing shit randomly. And it was it again. It was very forced, and it. Honestly, again, it's another slap in the face to the X-Men because they have had a lot of good social change in those books. I mean, North Star was one of the first openly gay characters Absolutely. in comics. And the funny thing the was... The wedding issue was beautiful again, when he got yeah, married. when he got married to Kevin. Absolutely. It was great. And that was actually the first um, on-panel same-sex marriage yes. in mainstream comics. I again, mean, going with our analogies of Star Trek. Yeah. Big, huge social norms of the, the shifting, shifting views of our population and, it, and acknowledgement. That... That move right there, that forced outing of Bobby Drake by by Jean by Jean Grey, does a lot of damage across the front. It limits Bobby's character growth potential. Mm-hmm. It really damages the audience perspective of Jean Grey because she's supposed to be this sweetheart who's almost per- yes. almost perfect, and she's just kind of a obnoxious bitch. Yes. In those in those last few issues, and it goes against the spirit of X Men. And X Men, we've had we've had Muslim characters, we've had Hindu characters, Buddhist, Christian, you name it. They've had blacks. Uh, they've they've had Mexicans, Latinos of all kinds. No, it's always been inclusive. Indian, and like Asians, and in any kind of sexuality, we've, it's always been sexually dimorphous. We've had bisexuals. We've had a uh, uh, Lone Star, Lone Star, no, not no Lone Star, North Star. No, who's the one with the the, the luck powers and the star? Long shot, Long shot, Long shot. Who's always been bi and will sleep with anything that moves? And yeah, and so we've always had that establishment in X Men of openness and understanding to new ways of living and new life and other nationalities, other belief systems. You've always had that in X-Men. You didn't never need to make a point of it. Yeah, and at a time where it's becoming more and more relevant, 
that was a real slap in the face to the LGBTQ plus community because you had a moment where you could tell really, really good stories for this character. Absolutely. And that that very pivotal moment is robbed. And it's just it's just not right. It's, it, it really isn't right. And we'll, we'll get more, more into that in a second because Iceman has actually got his own book for the first time in a yes. while. And Iceman, and it's, it's... To touch into that real quick... Uh, let's go ahead and jump into it. Because Iceman has his own new book for a while. Uh, his, and now, in a way... He's finally getting that room to explore because now it's been established, even though that it's from a different universe, that now adult Iceman is gay, and he's actually being written by a gay man. Yeah, and he I've seen interviews written with him and how he's talked about how yes, this is going to affect him, and he's kind of kind of got to be able to spread his wings now and get that character development that that young Bobby Drake was robbed of. Maybe he we'll finally explore. see Bobby use his powers to the full extent. He now. did. He quoted on that that that. Bobby Drake is actually an Omega level mutant in very few times in, in X-Men history as he got to use his full potential. In fact, the first time we saw his full potential unlocked, uh, Emma Frost actually took control of his powers and yes. used them, and he's never been able to replicate that. No. He's come back from the dead. He's, he's been broken down into particles and then being able to reform. He created an ice he's, army. He's created living living ice. Like, he, he has... He is an ice elemental. Yeah. Where Storm is... Can control the weather. Bobby is on a whole nother level. So it's good that we're going to see some growth from there. The only issue with that is because they're having to do so much damage control. Yes. Because of how that was done, I'm really concerned about the longevity of this book because yes. the first two issues alone were a lot of retreading the coming out conversation. Very much so. And they had to. They had. They like you said. They had to clean it up because of how poorly it was handled. And the first issue was done beautifully. It really was. It was emotional. It was poignant. It was really, really well written. And then the second issue comes out, and the best part about it is Bobby gets to have that conversation with uh, Kitty Pride, who he was dating for a long time. Yes. And again, it's an important conversation to have. It's emotional, but it's a retread of what we already saw in the first issue. And unfortunately, with the nature of comics nowadays, if you don't sell, sales automatically drop from issue one to issue two. And from issue two to issue three, they crater. So I'm really concerned about the longevity of this book because Bobby Drake really needs this this character arc to grow and become the, the character that we all want to see. But I'm, I'm really concerned if he's going to get that chance. Yes, and it looks like they're going further in the third, and the third issue, they're he's dealing with his family and the consequences and fallout, and they're bringing in as an enemy for him the I believe they're called the Redeemers. I think so. Uh, which is a perfect because they're a group of zealot religious fundamentalists who hate mutants as an abomination to God. Weren't they the foes in the original um, oh, yeah, God they, Loves Man Kills? Yes, they've been they've yeah. been the foes of the mutant, mutant kind for well, they've, a very long yeah, time. Yeah, they've been in conflict for Reverend, quite a while. Striker. Uh, yeah. Striker. And, which is perfect, it's going to be a new perfect enemy for Bobby Drake because not only are they are religiously fundamental against mutants and think them as abominations, but of course... They're religiously fundamental against gays as well and think they have abominations. So now they have two of their most hated things in one man. Yeah. So it's really going to be able to... It's really going to give him room to grow and focus and deal with what's happening in a constructive way. And not only deal with the emotional impact of all of that, but with like a kick-ass Bobby Drake Iceman way of him using his powers to fight off people who hate him. Yeah. And it, 
it's which undeserved. again calls back to his his origin where he I mean when he first developed his powers he was being picked on and formed a snowball yes so a lot of classic elements and that's what we're really seeing in Resurrection for both the X Men and in Human Lines is the return Speaking to classic of elements. reference in the upper right hand corner they, of the third issue of Iceman and has him throwing a snowball of uh, as young Iceman yeah which again this another cool thing. Um, the Resurrection line was actually the first thing to return corner box art, which we hadn't seen in Marvel in quite some time. Very good points. So they're really doing a lot of classic things in, the, in this run, trying to reestablish the identity of both these, these lines. Um, so we've talked about X-Men Blue and Gold, Only Wolverine, now Iceman. Another character who's finally getting her on, an ongoing series is Jean Grey. Yes. And that book has been really interesting. I, I read the first issue. I haven't gone any, any further, but um, I've read some reviews and stuff. There's been a tone shift in the book, because the first issue comes across, and it's written by Dennis Hopeless, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, and we should establish, too, that this Jean Grey, being a unique Jean Grey in herself from a different dimension, has also developed new psionic powers that we have never seen our Jean Grey from the canon timeline ever use or possess before. Yeah, she's almost she's like Rogue in an ability where she, she yes. can suck in psychic energy and boost herself up. She's got a bit of a Green Lantern in her making uh, psychic constructs and, yeah. a, and a little bit of armor in her making psychic armor, etc. So they've really done some cool stuff with Jean Grey from an evolution standpoint, but in this book, the main thing is the Phoenix Force now knows that Jean Grey is alive and well on Earth and is coming for her. So now we, we, we get to see Jean Grey in a, in a position where she is familiar with the Phoenix Force. She knows what it does to her because this Jean Grey's pretty much got a, a data dump when she showed up in this reality and downloaded everyone's thoughts and now understands what happened to her other timeline counterpart. It's going to be really cool to see her go up against the Phoenix Force because instead of running from it, she's seeking it out. She yes. wants to fight to, to end this conflict once yes. and for all. And it's bringing her in, in, in conflict with characters that she's never dealt with before. Uh, Michael brought up that her making psychic, psychic constructs, she actually teamed up with uh, Odin's son, now mm -hmm. the unworthy Thor, and at one point actually manifested a psychic hammer and is fighting off uh, demons and, and, and whatnot with Thor. So we're seeing a lot of really cool growth from, from Jean Grey. Yes, it's funny because the, the colors, pale and uh, palette that they're, uh, scale and palette that they're using, are almost identical to Psylocke's. So it's very reminiscent of Psylocke forming without being psychic the, constructs. Without the focused totality of her mm. psychic powers and the butterfly on her face. A, a, beggar, mm -hmm. a total lack of butterflies. Maybe she'll make some moss. Yeah. Okay, so there's that. And then we've got um, yeah, Weapon X. So Weapon X is a team-up book pretty much with all of the underscored characters that actually have a bit of a history mm -hmm. with the Weapon X team. So it's Old Man Logan and Sabretooth. Domino. Uh, Domino, Lady Deathstrike, Lady Thunderbird. Deathstrike. Or no, Warbird. Pardon. Warbird. Warbird. Yeah. Thunderbird, Thunderbird, Thunderbird dead. Thunderbird dead. <laughs> Thunderbird, Thunderbird went boom um, in his first issue, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's actually a pretty good book. Uh, it's actually leading up to a conflict right now with the Hulk books yes. called um, Weapons of, Weapons of Mad, Destruction, Destruction, where they actually combine Wolverine and Hulk DNA because that sounds like a good idea for some yes. reason. It's a brand new Weapon X program, which I kind of like because every one of these characters has in some way been touched by the Weapon X program sometime in their in their represent histories. And they're bringing them all together and dealing with this new Weapon X program. And it, this new Weapon X program is kind of taking it 
to the extreme. They the really logical are. extreme. They're well, like, we're going to take every the best attributes of any mutant killers we can, and we're going to bond them. And they're using the new Sentinel technologies where they had organic Sentinels for a while yeah. that were hiding as humans. Um, really, they, they've been drawing on some of the lesser-known parts of mutant history in the Weapon X program, and the mutants just enemies that people don't know that well, and pulling them all together. So I've been really entertained by some of the unique aspects that they've pulled from the history and brought them into a cool amalgamation. Yeah, the only part for me, the weakest part of this book was Greg Land's art because everyone looks the same at some point. Yes, I completely understand. Um, but, I mean, I, I, I like a lot of the stuff that Greg Land does sometimes, but there's panels in this book where I can't tell if I'm looking at Wolverine or Sabretooth. Yes. Um, now, the coolest thing about this book, really, for me, was honestly... That Especially the, the, the same facial hair now. Yeah. <laughs> that um, the people actually working in the... Epin X program are are actual people. Yes. Like it shows them having off panel conversations regarding trying to arrange picking pick up for their kids after school. Lunch, daycare. Yeah. Um, which is a, a a big change considering typically the Weapon X program has always been shown to be a bunch of mustache twirling buffoons. Yeah. Oh yeah. Exact same face. Sorry, we're actually looking at the panel right here and the only way I can tell them apart is one's blonde. They have the exact same eyes. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Like old man Sabretooth. Well, then we well, we said old man, so let's go ahead and cut to old man Logan. Absolutely. Now, old man Logan, um, it's interesting to show here because first old man Logan showed up as uh, like a mid-60s run in, yes, wo- in the Wolverine book. It was basically his own what-if story. Yeah, it was his own what-if story that was believed to be the, the canon history of the, the fu- canon future of the Marvel Universe. Yes. And then after the... Secret, Secret Wars. Wars. It was shown that Old Man Logan actually lives in a parallel universe, and through some kind of crack in time, actually ends up showing up in the main Marvel universe. And this is done mainly because they wanted to replace um, the the Logan hole after death of Lo- after death of Wolverine. And yes. o- Old Man Logan for me is actually a much more relatable version of Wolverine. I believe it was licensing too, because Wolverine is Wolverine. Old Man Logan is now established as a completely different dimension, just like there's Ultimates. And our canon universe, which Fox only had licensing to to the canon universe of the X-Men and the Mutants. They didn't have access to any of the ultimate uh, mutants incarnations or anything like that. So it was their loophole to bring back old Well, also, Marvel isn't stupid because Fox announced that they were doing a last Wolverine movie and it was going to be Old Man Logan. So what did they do? They launched an Old Man Man Logan Logan book. So, I mean, they're going to fight with with Fox, but they're also going to, you know, try to... Steal as much profit as they can. Oh, yeah, they want that thunder. Yeah. So, this old man Logan, honestly, it plays very much kind of like almost kind of like Terminator in a way because his entire thing, he's in the mm, current. That's a great analogy. And he's really trying I'm to pre- he's trying to prevent the future he knows from coming to, to pass. He's really trying to to stop the things that happen in his in his timeline from occurring. And it's it's a really cool tale. And the good thing here is, it doesn't feel any different than a classic Wolverine book. The only difference is if you color, color his yes. hair black instead of gray, it feels like Wolverine. It does. It does have a lot of emotion and a weight um, and consequences, uh, especially dealing with Old Man Logan because in his universe, he's killed most of the people that he's ha- oh, yeah. now having to interact with. He's killed most of his friends. who and, and, and well, He killed X-Men, all the X-Men. All the X-Men. And so now seeing them again and dealing with that and having that weight and knowing I can't let this happen again has led to some really interesting storytelling and character progression. So I really like where they're going with Old Man Logan, and they just keep on going. Yeah, and that actually brings us into uh, the most recent 
X-Men book that was launched, and that is Astonishing X-Men. Yes. Where um, he well, comes... Only one in, issue in. But it's only one issue in. A it's, solid launch. Oh, yeah, solid launch. It's, it's a good legacy team, too, because a lot of classic characters in that. I mean, you've got uh, Old Man Logan, Rogue, Gambit. Yes. Main, and, and we have a mainstay original X-Men with uh, Angel. Yeah, Angel. Archangel. Um, Psylocke. Mm-hmm. Phantom X, Bishop, and that was a really surprise casting because Bishop has been missing from the X Men universe. See that. We have Gambit as well. We have Gambit, uh, and and Old Man Logan. Now Old Man Logan interacting with Bishop. Bishop is now kind of functioning as a, a a time cop, essentially trying to protect the timeline from from devastating acts that he's aware of in his own future. Yes. So he's going to be watching Old Man Logan oh, like a hawk. I forgot about Mystique. And Mystique's on the team. Mystique's now, Mystique has come agent. up and down. Yes. She's been involved in every X-Men book that's come out since about 2012. It's interesting because in this cast, Mystique has had relations with Phantom X, Gambit, and Logan. And she's also Rogue's <laughs> and mother. And she's also Rogue's mother. <laughs> so Mystique is, from a familiar standpoint, a relation standpoint, she's kind of in some interesting glue yeah. to this team. Yeah, it's it, it's... They put the fun and dysfunctional, yes. but it's, it's going to add to some really good character drama between Bishop and Old Man Logan. And these I are mean, two characters that we haven't seen in Iraq before. Let's We've actually seen... let's break down the dichotomy of this team. We have Psylocke, who has been in a relationship with Phantom X, and is currently on and off in a relationship with Archangel. And has actually, have... actually helped Archangel recover his original personality. Yes. And then we have Rogue, who has been in a relationship with Gambit, and who Logan has always been her mentor and best friend. Yeah. And she and we have Mystique, who's also her mother. So this is a this is a, a group with very close knit ties, uh, both in negative and positive. So it it has a plethora of storytelling possibilities and natural tension and uh, and, and being able to make lighthearted and certain quips. That because of the relationships and long history of all the characters. There's a lot of so potential in yes, jokes here. Absolutely. And the synergy is very well this put together. Is a, I mean, this the attitude towards Old Man Logan. Originally, when he first showed up, everyone was like, "That's not our Logan. That's not our Logan." And eventually, there, there's been this gradual attitude shift where characters are, are relating to him in ways that just say, "He's he's Logan. He's he's Wolverine. Doesn't matter." Um, Rogue acts in a way towards him in this issue, but it's very familiar. Again, yes. it, it's very it's much right like, back into that mentor role. Exactly. Um, even in X Men Gold, the relationship between himself and, and Kitty Pride, who's leading the team now, is very, very classic. So there's no real forced tension of "You're not my Logan." It's very much yeah. he's Logan. Logan is, is the same yes. across universes. He's just got a different haircut, and thank God they, he's not wearing yes. that damn duster they, in this book. Oh God. I love it's the my jacket. My only thing I have, my only problem I have with X Men Gold is they keep putting him in this damn Walker Texas Ranger duster, and I'm just like, put him in a bomber jacket or just something. Old Man Logan is Stephen King's The Gunslinger. Oh God, it's <laughs> and they way that they touch base on, they quickly touch base on all the interactions, and, and because Bishop has long ranging friction with the group as well, and I love how they quickly touch base. They in Gambit, they say. Uh, Gambit says, my my love, and he's talking to Rogue, and she's like, still? still? And he's like, always, my dove, always. <laughs> and you so, got Phantom X, who's really just kind of there, because he he's getting paid. I mean, there's and a lot of... And he's still on a hard, pissy breakup with Psylocke. Oh, like, they oh. got some major tension. He wants to kill her for the betrayal. There's some there's some Jerry Springer stuff going on there. It's, yeah, it's gold. It's X-Men Jerry Springer. That's yeah, a great way to put go. it. I'm just waiting for someone to throw a chair.
Okay, so pretty much that brings us to what? Uh, I think the, the cable book now. The cable book. And the cable book is very interesting because it might as well be the Dark Tower cable. Because it's very much drawing upon influences of the last gunslinger going after the man in black. I, and, and Cable is... It's, it even starts off in the Wild West. Uh, and Cable... Which fits Cable really well Very somehow. much so. <laughs> uh, and Cable's hunting down this man. Um, I don't know if it actually reveals in the first issue who exactly he's going after. But he keeps time jumping and chasing down this man who is... Whatever timeline he goes to, he's giving technology to people there to stop Cable from following him. So it's very much the similarities between the, the, the gunslinger slowly catching up to and never quite making it in the very first book to the, the Man in Black. Especially with the Dark Tower series coming out. It's strong right now and everybody touching back into it. It's just a funny time to relaunch that with, with similarities. Yeah, but if you're going to emulate something, emulate one of the greatest story amalgamations uh, of all kinds of genres in history of fantasy novels. Right, And it's cool because he's still got this time cop vibe that Bishop has, but they're wildly different. Yes, very much so. Like, Bishop has that beat cop kind of aspect to it. He's very analytical. He's, he's looking for things in advance to try to stop them from happening. And Cable is just bouncing through time, kicking people yes. in the teeth. Cable's the detective who's got a <laughs> finite... He's just... He's like, I'm getting... I'm too old for this shit. And very much Bishop's the beat cop. He's like, I gotta do the, the smaller leads. I gotta take care of this. Uh, so it's very much the two yeah. sides of the same it's, coin it's for the, time. The, the tango and cash of time cops, yes, pretty much. very much so. Um, so then the last real X-Men book in the roster is Gen X. So they actually did relaunch the Generation X book, which is kind of cool because a lot of people that are currently reading X-Men books, Generation X was their book. Absolutely. I mean, Gen X brought us Jubilee. I mean, it brought us so many great characters. The, it was the it was the second version of the new, of the New Mutants, where New Mutants really spawned the next generation of X Men fans. Gen X really helped to spawn the current generation of X Men fans. Yes, and it helps that they're bringing back one of the first established things that they're going up against and trying to solve was a cliffhanger that was left over from uh, from the the resurrection and the death of X, where Monet Saint Croix, another character from X Factor. Um, became possessed by her brother who ironically enough was a long-term baddie for the original generation x yep and mono st croix was also another mutual member of the generation x so she pairs back up with jubilee and an amalgamation boom keyword ah, amalgamation of the characters from that were brought in as new mutants in the wolverine and the x-men comics yeah. Uh, and some would even go back to Morrison's run on New X-Men. That's where we saw Kid Omega show up. Yes. Who is... Oh, I forgot he was established back then. I thought he came in, and, but you're right. Yeah, he yeah, showed Kid up. Omega yeah, Quentin, Quentin, Quentin Quire showed up there. And I'm glad they're putting him to decent use here, because for the last couple of years, Quentin Quire has just been showing up randomly to act like kind of a dick. Yes. <laughs> I hate when they establish an Omega and then never touch on it again. Yeah. Like, they're like... This is, a, this is a person with Omega-level powers, and there's all this limelight going on and crossovers and big, big, huge events, 
and there's people that are just they have omega level powers are sitting on the sidelines doing nothing and having no interaction. That with almost this kind girl. of fits Quentin Quire because he's so jaded he doesn't care. But no, you're right. Yes. I mean, they really do establish now, he was a, the original character was an egomaniac and wanted to show everybody that he was the Oh yeah, the and that that went from New Mutants all the way up to uh, to Schism where he yes. walked into the UN and caused everybody to just start revealing their darkest secrets, which was actually a really funny panel. Yes. I mean, just imagine Walking it, being able to walk into Congress and having everyone air their dirty laundry, yep. it was really funny. You've got all these politicians that are like, I killed someone before. That was some I'm actually catharsis. high right now. I mean, really some, funny some stuff. Global level catharsis right yeah, there for you. It, it was really funny. I'm also very interested to see, uh, kind of like, we also, we have already established my love for Douglas Ramsey Cypher and kind of like untold characters who have vast potential if you dig at them just a little bit beneath the surface. So I'm very interested in the potential of iBoy and where they take him. Because they've already established uh, a little bit they've gone into how he's it's just a boy covered in eyes and he seems seemingly useless. But they've started on, on a couple issues gone in, uh, in, in various different series that he's been a part of, establishing that each one of his eyes does a different thing. Yeah. And is capable of seeing different spectrums, seeing magic... Uh, among other things. So I'm interested in the potential that he has and where they could take him. No, and that's kind of the hallmark of the Gen X book is that it sh does showcase these minor characters that are actually Pixie, end up for being instance, Pixie. In the original, who they really, really branched out. Speedball. Very much so. I mean, Speedball went and became a big player. Yes. Um... But, you know, there's a lot of cool characters that have spun out of the Gen X books previously that I would like to see show up. I mean, I, I would actually like to see two characters that, again, have never really interacted, but uh, Cypher and Danger. Yes. That would be wonderful. Or even Especially with his relationship with Douglock and Ari being exposed and having or even established races with Jumping franchise, could you imagine seeing, you know, Cypher interact with Viv Vision? Because we also have, yeah, we also have... Uh, uh, like some of the other original characters from that team uh, and and also Generation X and the New Mutants who are spread out and adults and have taken on their own role. Sunspot, for instance, owns AIM now. Yeah. And he was a part of Which is actually a big thing Avengers. going into Secret Empire, which we'll cover in one of our, our later our later episodes. Yes. But he's got, he's got a pretty good part to play there. Yes, so there's mutants that are out there who aren't a part of any established team now. That's But that's... That's uh, that's that's kind of tit for tat for X Men history. Yeah. They established a lot of mutants, and then some of them get left on the wayside, never to be heard from again. And there's some really, if you dig in that mutant past, there's some really unique characters. Mero, Callisto. Yes. I mean, these are characters that we haven't really seen in a long time. Darwin. We haven't seen Darwin. Darwin a Although long Although I think Mero just showed up in the most recent issue of X Men Blue. I think she's. Oh, on, she I, I think if I remember correctly, it's been. A while, I gotta go back and read that, but I think she showed up there. But yeah, so let's let's shift gears. So let's let's switch to the Inhumans. I know it's a slightly smaller list, but again, we talked about Inhumans Prime and what mm -hmm. that sets up. Uh, Royals is again the the storyline of the royal family, royal family, and they are traveling through the galaxy trying to find a way to basically recover and and reestablish Terrigenesis for the Inhumans because now there's no Terrigen left on Earth. The Inhumans yes. are having to change their entire society, which is good. I mean, actually. Um, that's one thing that actually kind of does end well in the Inhumans versus X-Men event is Medusa hands over the reins to yes. Adelan to uh, Iso, I think. Yes. 
and they are developing an entirely new in human society. The entire human culture is changing, which is good because yes. it very it was kind of like the last monarchy in the Marvel universe. Even Wakanda's kind of yes. through past that. And we kind of the cool thing about this is that it it does. They have cool story arcs and places to go with this because we like, as we established early, there's five clans of Inhumans. But the thing we didn't talk about is that it makes them each one's unique, even though they are something entirely separate um, and, and, a, and a whole unto themselves, is that each one has their own magic word, impetus, uh, for their evolution, let's say. Because pterogenesis only occurs to the Earth in humans. They undergo pterogenesis because their evolutionary uh, trigger is Terrigen Crystals, whereas the four other clans each have their own unique trigger that's biologically based on that planet uh, where they were established. But it all so comes from some form of Terrigen... Kree technology. Yeah, yeah, which is actually where, uh, where I think it's, was it Protector is his new monologue, his, his new title he's going by now. Mm -hmm. Marvel Boy, now Protector, who is a Kree warrior from the future, who now... He's actually teamed up with the Inhumans. They're going on this galaxy-spanning journey to uncover the the secret history of Terrigen, which is actually really cool. It's something we haven't seen a lot of in yes. the Inhumans, and it's good to get them back on that cosmic scale where yes. they belong. It's briefly been touched on in, yeah. in the cosmic past, when, and that's when they got really interesting. Is when they established that there were there were four other that 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 uh, Black Bolt is the Inhuman King. And the leader of the four other clans of Inhumans were all women, and they were going to be his bride, and he is the king of all Inhumans. Which is where we get into War of Kings, yes. which is now coming up. Um, and then we talk about Black Bolt. Now, Black Bolt's actually got his own book now, and it's really interesting. It's very interesting. It's very interesting because, again, Black Bolt is a mute. He opens his mouth and things just die. Yes. So it's really interesting to establish a book where the main character can't have dialogue. So how do you do that? So it's you done. make it that the main character can have dialogue. Yeah, that's exactly what so they did. What they did. Uh, so Black Bolt's powers have been um, inhibited. He's, he's, yes. It's the whole premise of this book is that he was actually trying to take Maximus, his, his brother, who's gorked. He's just yes. insane, and drop him off at this inescapable intergalactic prison where not even death is an escape. If you die, it's you supposed to be a select. In human prison. Yeah. And when they... And yes. Yeah, so, you, I mean, even if you die, you wake back up, you're still in prison. Like, there is there is no escape. Yes. And Maximus manages to switch places with Black Bolt, and now Black Bolt is in this prison, and he's trying to find a way out. It is really compelling. It's a really great character study for Black Bolt. Um, again, he's a character who is... In the past, has not really been relatable. I think some of the most relatable moments for him were small little visual yes. beats in Uncanny X-Men where he told Johnny not to hurt Medusa. Yes. <laughs> that was really funny. But... <laughs> Blows out the flame. Oh, that was beautiful. Yeah. Points at Medusa, points at Johnny, snuffs out a candle, and yes. even Johnny's going, that, that's pretty it. clear. Clear. <laughs> um, I got it. But it's, it's a really cool character study for Black Bolt. Um... It really brings him low because it really gives him depth too. Because we we had a little bit of character development in him when he ran his own nightclub, and that was very unique and interesting. Like, yeah. what is he doing? Yeah, What's this, going well, on? He, was, he get kicked out of Adelan. Yes. He's live, he, he very much became. It was kind of like Casablanca, the yes. Inhumans edition. He was Rick. That. It was very weird. It was cool, but it yes. was just strange. We established the relationship with his son, uh, and they they carried his character in new and interesting ways there. But here, Black Boat has really been brought low. 
He's been a king. He's been an, an unsurmountable power his entire life. Yeah, he's always had some level of power and prestige, and now he is no different Nothing. than any other prisoner. His powers here. are negated. He can talk. He he's not no different. Um, one of the interesting characters that they have come up against in, in the first issue, which is completely out of left field and has had, as far as I know, no interaction with humans in, in, in the past whatsoever, and comes right out of Spider-Man, which is the Absorbing Man, and he, the way. He, for somehow he ended up being a prisoner, and that's how I touched on earlier. That I think that was one was of the shield and sword arcs. I don't. Know. It was supposed to be an inhuman prison, and when Black Bolt gets there, he finds that other people have gained access to this prison and are planting people there that aren't inhumans. Uh, and Maybe it's people he the runs unseen. Into. Yes. Who knows? Um, which is calling back to another Marvel event. We'll talk about some other time. But you know, Black Bolt's probably the strongest inhuman book right now because it is such a great character study. Yes. And especially in a character that's had very little, I won't say development, he's had very little exposure. Black Bolt shows up pretty much when someone needs to make something else that's big die. He's pretty much just let, let off the I mean, channel. You have a guard. character who hasn't, in more than 30 years, hasn't said more than three words at a time that's been legible or readable by viewers, ever. And you take him and you put him in a situation where now he can have full-on conversations and full sentences, and you can delve more into his character. And it's, of course, that's going to be interesting. It's something we've been denied to know about his character for well, since And the... it's also really cool because it puts Black Bolt in a position where does he really want to escape this? This is something he's never been able to do before. Absolutely. Does he want to sacrifice this new experience for his freedom, or is it worth it? So it, there's, again, a really great character study in this book. Uh, and last but not least, I mean, we talked, we mentioned Moon Girl, but I, I mean, that, she's kind of her own thing. It really doesn't even fall under the Inhumans umbrella, as far as I'm concerned, because she's such a, a, a new character. Um, but Secret Warriors, yes, which is a really cool team because now it's pure Inhumans. Yes, where Secret Warriors before was always kind of a hodgepodge of different powered individuals. This is now a straight up Inhuman team, um, and it's being led by Quake. Yes, so she's assembled some of the more powered or more, more popular uh, inhuman characters that are still based on Earth. Uh, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur Girl, are part Devil of that. Miss Marvel, Kamala Khan, who Inferno. is... Inferno. Uh, now, yeah. this now makes the second team she's on because she is leading the champions. She's yes. in the Secret Warriors. And, of course, she's got her own book, which, by the way, Miss Marvel has been one of the it's most consistently phenomenal. amazing books in Marvel's lineup over the last few years, it is a just a great read. So Kamala pick it up. Khan has been a bright star in the relaunch of Marvel now. One of oh, the few gems. So I mean, I've Mark Wade has said at one point I think he wanted to write a, a future story where she becomes Captain America, and I am totally for that. Give yes. her the shield right now. I'm, I'm interesting. <laughs> I'm interested in to see where this is going to go because its launch led right in was almost synonymous right around the exact same time of the launch of Secret Empire. Well, it was designed to yes. be a Secret Empire team because, again, in Secret Empire, small spoiler here, but Inhumans essentially have been outlawed. Yes. They're being rounded up and kind of interned. So, in a, in a way, Inhumans are getting a small taste of what mutants have had to go through Absolutely. their entire lives. Ironically, that it's on yeah. the other hand now. Um, so, this whole team came together to combat that, and again, the lineup is Quake, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur, Miss um, Marvel, Inferno, Inferno and, and Karnak. And, and there's a lovely... I'm, I'm very interested in this book specifically because of some of the writing in the first couple issues that is just light and wonderful, even though they're dealing with bigger topics and everything. There's one specific moment where they're getting into a car. Oh, yeah, I love this Karnak scene. Karnak calls... I call back middle seat. And they're like, what? 
Why do you, in Karnak's course ability we've talked about before, is the power to see weakness and flaws in anything. Uh, he's so he's crammed in the back seat, and they're like, why would you want to be in the back middle seat? Nobody likes the back middle seat. And he's like, statistically, the back middle seat is the most likely to survive any car crash hit from any side. And then they're all like, oh, <laughs> shit. Damn. So they're going on this cross-country road trip with a guy who's already kind of inadvertently said, I'm using you all as human shields. Absolutely. I mean, this... The, the, cynic, the cynicality behind Karnak and the cool thing fits is, is there's with the brightness of Miss Marvel. It, it really, they're perfect contrast, because Miss Marvel is always so positive and so yes. hopeful, and Karnak is just jaded because he sees the breakpoints and everything. Yes. And it, it really is a fun read. And it's... it's a solid stable of artists too. I mean, it, it's it really is a pretty, pretty good book. Yes, I've been pleasantly surprised. I'm I'm yeah. excited for its future. All right, guys, and that'll wrap things up for us today. As always, you can find us on uh, Twitter, Instagram at uh, Hall of Justice, and Facebook.com forward slash Hall of Justice. I'm the above average Joe, and I'm Mighty Mike, and this has been the Hall, Hall of Justice. Justice.